Well, I love what God's doing through us as a Northview community, and I've heard it said that we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving or giving, and I know that significance is found on the path to serving, and so if you wanna make a difference in someone else's life as well as your own, and you're not serving, I encourage you to do that. You can go to our app, Northview Church, and you can go to the go to join a team tab, and there are all kind of serving opportunities here at Northview as well as with our partner ministries that can make a huge difference. Well, good morning, Northview. Oh, it is so good to see you. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're a part. My name is Andy. I'm the Carmel Campus Pastor. And if you are new to Northview, we are one church in multiple locations. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to make Northview your community. Well, how many of you guys had a great Thanksgiving? Yeah. I mean, I ate so much, I could barely move. Anybody with you? with me on that. I mean, it's like, why do we do that to ourselves each year? Uh, One thing I do know is typically Thanksgiving is when we take the time to kind of pause and be grateful. And uh, I am super grateful, Candace and I and the girls, for this church community. We love this church community in such a way our heart was already so full of such love for you. And Candace and I, just uh, this month had COVID. We just got over that. Don't worry on the front row. We're past our quarantine. You're all right. Um, but we just got over that, and it was, it was a really tough season. And I just want to say to you as a church community, many of you, so thankful for the care and the love and the prayers and just the action steps to help us through that time. It just expanded our heart even more for gratitude for this community and how we love being a part of Northview. And another thing that we're so grateful for uh, during this season is our leadership. This leadership, if you're new to Northview, we're in a leadership transition. Pastor Steve, who is an incredible leader, uh, wise man of integrity, devoted his life uh, the last 22 years here to Northview Church. Over the next year, transitioning to our pastor, our senior pastor-elect, Pastor CJ, an incredible leader in his own right and communicator, and it's one of the healthiest leadership transitions I've seen. You know, before I was here at Northview, I worked uh, with churches all over the U.S., and I would say it's one of the healthiest leadership transitions I've seen, two men with some of the highest integrity and character that I know, and so I just think we should celebrate what God's doing here at Northview. And I just wanna pray for us this morning uh, for that transition. God, I just thank you for being a part of a church that we have incredible leaders, and I just continue to pray this next year as Pastor CJ and Pastor Steve work together and the batons handed off, and God, thank you for a chance to be a part of a community that, God, you're making a huge difference, and we get to be a part of that. Thank you so much, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, how many of you would rank Thanksgiving as one of your favorite holidays? Anybody out there? Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. You know, it's a time typically where I'm in Texas with my family. This year, COVID was no respecter of trips, and so we didn't get to do that. Uh, But I love it because you got family, and you have food, and you got football. If you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, I get to watch the Dallas Cowboys every Thanksgiving. Usually I am crying after the game. Any, anybody Dallas Cowboy fans out there? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of you. Maybe we could have some miracle prayer together later. Um, 
I'm a Colts fan too, so it's like CJ, you know, he likes Green Bay Packers, and he, he likes the Colts when they don't play the Green Bay Packers, I like the Colts when they don't play the Cowboys. Uh, but it's an incredible time for our family, and what I love about it is it's usually for all of us, it's a chance where we just pause and think about things we're grateful for. And for us, our tradition is we take three cranberries together and we go around, everybody gets three cranberries and we go around the table and we give three things that we're thankful for. And it's a really moving time for us. Uh, Usually there's tears and we think about what God's done over the last year. But one of the things that's so interesting to me is why do we just think about being grateful during Thanksgiving week? What happens the other 51 weeks of the year? And so I, wanted, I would say that all of us want to live a life of thankfulness and gratitude, but oftentimes it's more of a thought than an action. And often, like many things in life, thinking about it and not putting any, anything into action doesn't make a lot of difference. For example, let me give you some examples. How many of you have thought about eating healthier or maybe going on a diet but not changed your eating habits? How's that working out, yeah? How many of you have thought about saving money but not putting any money back? How that's, how's that working out? Or maybe some of you have thought about maybe spending more time with your family but not changed your schedule. Or maybe you've thought about growing in your spiritual walk but not put any spiritual disciplines or practice into place and we could go on and on. Well, sometimes I get my wisdom from unique places, and one day I was driving, and a bumper sticker on the car in front of me said this, which I thought was really wise. It said, a goal without a plan is just a dream. And I would say this, I would say thankfulness and gratitude without action have no power. We say things like, it's the thought that counts, but the thought actually doesn't count. There's a quote here that says, thankfulness is the beginning of gratitude. Gratitude is the completion of thankfulness. Thankfulness may consist merely of words. Gratitude is shown in acts. How many of you are runners out there? Got any runners? About four of you. Um, (laughs) The majority of you are in the same boat I am probably, and it's like, I hate to run. And we have an executive pastor, Mark Kroll. I mean, that guy likes to run for fun. I mean, who likes to run for fun, right? So I hate to run, and I have been in gyms all my life, but I like to go in and work out. And so even if I'm in the gym, especially when I used to power lift and be in there a lot, five or six days a week, I would never do any cardio or aerobic, very little, because I just hated it. And uh, I got to a certain age where my doctor said I better incorporate it or I might not live to a certain age. And so I end up now getting on the treadmill. Now, those of you who raised your hand, the four of you who raised your hands, um, you would, I'm sure you would never get on a treadmill because true runners don't get on treadmills. But for me, I get on a treadmill because I wanna know exactly what the pace is and exactly when I get to that mark of when I can get off so I don't run a step more. I can just get off. But here's what I know is I feel like oftentimes we're on the treadmill of life, right? And we're running and we don't get off and we don't stop and slow down enough to be able to show gratitude to others and to God. It's like a race. It's like we're running a race and at the starting line is 
the, the thought of thankfulness, and I think all of us want to have a heart of thankfulness, and that is the starting line, but in a race, all races have a starting line and a what? A finish line, that's right. And I would say the starting line is our thought or our heart of thankfulness, but the finish line is our action step of gratitude. And what happens so often is we get stuck at the starting line. It's easiest for me to understand it like this. Thankfulness is the feeling, but gratitude is the action verb, showing itself in visible, tangible ways. And we must finish thankfulness by expressing it through gratitude. Now here's what I know, that showing gratitude is easier than we think and more powerful than we imagine. And today I want us to jump into some scripture. There's an incredible scripture found in Luke chapter 17. We're gonna start with verse 11. And I want us to jump there. And if you have your Bibles or Bible app or you can look on the screen, we're gonna jump into this, this story. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Now we're gonna come back and talk a little bit about this. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. That's a key, key statement right there. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now there's so much we can unpack in this scripture and we're gonna go back and forth a little bit and we're gonna take a little bit of time because I think when we understand a little bit of the culture, it will also help us as we put some things into practice today because my goal today is that we leave with a heart of expanded gratitude and there are one or two principles that you can put and action steps that you can put into your life that'll make a huge difference in your life. Now, 10 lepers and that leprosy of that day, so let me give you a little context. Lepers in that day, the disease of leprosy, we don't hear a lot about that now, was an incredibly debilitating disease and it just didn't affect someone physically, it affected someone socially. And so physically what would happen is if somebody uh, got leprosy, then what they physically, then they knew they had an incurable disease that was super contagious and that was often very disfiguring and many times would last for years. And such, um, such a disfiguring disease that oftentimes parts of your body would fall off. It was a terrible disease. But not just physically, it was also an emotional and socially disfiguring disease. Because what would happen is when somebody found out that they had leprosy, then automatically, when the priest declared they had leprosy, automatically they were banished from their family, they were banished from their village and their friends, and they lived as outcasts on the outskirts of the village or the city, never to see their friends or family again. And it said, and as we see here, you live with other lepers, and you lived out on the outskirts, and scholars say oftentimes they would wear a bell around their neck so that people could hear when they were coming, 
And they would oftentimes have to call out when they were around someone who wasn't a leper, unclean, unclean. And so this is the situation where Jesus is on his way and he's traveling to Jerusalem between Samaria and Galilee and the lepers shout out at a distance because they had to stay at a distance to Jesus. And what I love about Jesus, instead of doing what the majority of people would do when a leper would call out, instead of going the other way, Jesus leaned in. And I love it because that's what Jesus does for us. He leans in no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, Jesus always leans in because he loves each of us. And in verse 14, and we're gonna look at that again, he said, and when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now just a little side note, in that day, if for some miraculous reason you were healed of leprosy, you had to go to the priest and the priest had to declare that you were clean so that you could enter back into society. And so Jesus says to them, go show yourselves to the priest. But they look down at their bodies, think about this for a moment, they look down at their bodies and they still have leprosy. They were not healed at that moment. Jesus could have healed them immediately. And if you look at scripture, Jesus oftentimes healed people immediately. But in this case, he didn't. But he gave them an action step of faith. And here's a principle here. Often God wants us to, grow, to go in order for us to grow. Often God wants us to go in order for us to grow. He gives us an action step of faith. And as Pastor Steve's mentioned before, God's more concerned about our character than our comfort. And oftentimes, an action step of faith helps grow our character. And it was an act of faith for these lepers to start moving. And maybe you're waiting until everything lines up before you take an action step of faith. And maybe God's calling you to an action step of faith, but you're waiting. God often asks us to step out in faith before all things line up. They had to go in faith without any results at that time, and on the way, they were healed. You know, if you were here last week, Pastor CJ was talking about miracles um, in the aspect of sometimes miracles are a progression. And so God sometimes, in the progression of the miracle, is molding and shaping us. Let's jump back into scripture here. Luke 15 says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now I love this part. And just to give you a little context, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They had no interaction whatsoever. And I think if you dig down and deep into scripture, sometimes Jesus does some interesting things in the scripture. So Jesus asked the Samaritan to go to the priest. But in actuality, the Samaritan would not have been allowed into the temple. And so, but Jesus was above the whole Jew and Samaritan thing because Jesus didn't see people through the eyes of culture. He didn't put people into categories. We put people into categories, right? 
People we like, people we dislike, people we love, people we hate, people who are conservative, people who are liberal. I think I got that on the wrong hand this way. Um, so we put people into categories, right? But what I love about Jesus and I love about God is there's one category. And God loves all people. Now all 10 of these men had their life radically transformed. And I think all 10 were extremely thankful. Why does only one come back? Why did he give gratitude? Why did he step across the line and get to the finish line of the race by an action step? Why did he do that and the other nine didn't? Now I like to think that I would be that one. Wouldn't you like to think about that? Like hey, if you were 10 and there was only one that came back, you'd be in that 10%. But the reality is a lot of times we're like the other nine. We're thankful, and we have a heart that's thankful, but we're stuck at the starting line of the race, and we don't get to the finish line of gratitude. And one guy got it, and there's some principles that we can learn from the Samaritan that can impact our lives in powerful ways, and we're gonna take a look at that in verse 15. One of them, talking about the Samaritan, when he saw he was healed, he came back. He praised God in a loud voice. And the first thing I want us to notice is this, is that he saw. He saw. Gratitude begins with seeing. Think about this. What in your life gets your attention? We're never gonna give gratitude if we don't first see and notice the blessings we received. And I believe one of the number one issues that keeps us from seeing the things that God has given us is taking things for granted and entitlement. Often, I take things for granted until I don't have them. For example, I take for granted that I can go to my faucet, turn the water faucet on, put a glass under it, and drink it until I go to a majority, a majority world country and they don't have clean water. Or I take for granted that I can walk about five or six years ago until I had, an incredible, I had a pinched nerve, I could only stand for about a, a minute without intense pain, but I took for granted that I could walk into that moment. Just recently, I took for granted that I could taste. <laughs> My wife and I lost our taste a little bit with COVID. Actually, it could have been a good thing if it had stayed that way because then I could have cooked and Candace would have been all right with that. But we have it back. But I didn't think about that a lot until I lost that. And sometimes we're not grateful for someone until they pass away or maybe move away. And often when we don't live in gratefulness, we're forced into it. What would happen if we closed those gaps? A second reason I think we miss seeing the blessings that God has is living a hectic life. We're on that treadmill I was talking about and we just keep going and keep going and we don't stop. Are we running so fast that we're missing God's blessings? You ever notice how you don't see things until you start paying attention? Let me give you some examples. You buy a certain type car or a certain color car and you start to see that type car or color car everywhere, right? Or you name your kid a certain name and you start to hear that name everywhere. Or maybe you've driven by a certain place for years and until maybe somebody asked you to meet there, then you didn't even know that place existed but now every time you go by it, you think about it. Well those things didn't just appear They've always been there or around. You just started looking for them. 
And when we start to look with a grateful heart, we start to see things that we missed before. Jesus was grateful for the little things. When he fed the 5,000, you know he's grateful for? Two fish and five loaves. Not that his disciples didn't bring more. When the widow gave her little two coins, he was grateful for the two coins, not that she didn't have more. Now, are we grateful for the blessings in our lives? Here's a statement I want you to really, to kind of grapple with. If you aren't thankful for what you have, you won't be thankful for what you're gonna get. And if we don't give credit where credit is due, often our nature is to give credit to ourselves. For example, when things happen in our life, we sometimes say, well, I just worked really hard. Or sometimes we spiritualize it. We say, well, maybe I was reading my Bible a lot and that's why that happened. Or maybe I'm just on my A game. Well, Pastor CJ was talking to the campus pastors a couple of weeks ago and I love this quote that he said. He said, every blessing that doesn't turn back to praise or gratitude has the potential to turn into pride. The second principle we learn from the Samaritan is he came back. The Samaritan came back in an action step, not just at the starting line, he went to the finish line. He didn't think about how thankful he was, he took an action step of gratitude. And that's where it often breaks down for us. We often get stuck, I think many of us are thankful, but we get stuck at that starting line. Do you know that grace and gratitude come from the same word, the same root word? Grace and gratitude from the same root word. Think about this. And when we understand God's grace for us, we can't help but have a heart of gratitude. When we give gratitude, we gain in our relationships. And when we give gratitude, we gain closeness with God. The Samaritan left the nine and went back to Jesus. Why did he go back? Because he didn't just wanna start the race, he wanted to finish it. He couldn't express his gratitude from a distance. He couldn't throw himself at the feet of Jesus without being at the feet of Jesus. And it's like a two for one deal because when you express gratitude to God, you can't help but get closer to God. And out of the 10, who got individual interaction and connection with Jesus? The Samaritan. Why? Because he came back to express a step of gratitude. Now listen closely because I really want you to catch this. The others experienced Jesus' healing, but only one experienced his presence because he took the time to come back. Do you want God's gifts or do you want God's presence? Well, gratitude helps you experience both. Here's another side effect of when we show gratitude by taking action. Relationship gaps are closed when we come back. The leper came back to Jesus and there was a gap that he had of interacting with Jesus like the 10 only at a distance. But he closed that gap and got to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus. A cool thing here was too that Jesus, if you read the back part of that scripture, Jesus gave the all clear to that Samaritan. Remember he said, go, your faith made you well. You know, I told you earlier the priest had to give the all clear if a leper was clean. And that's a foreshadowing of Jesus being our high priest. When Jesus died on the cross, he became our high priest so we don't have to go to a man uh, now to confess our sins or to be our priest, but Jesus is our high priest, we can go directly to him. And think about this. Think about the possible ramifications that could happen if you showed gratitude in your relationship. You take a step, 
You come back to a person, you show gratitude, your relationship becomes closer. Some of you need to close the gap in your marriage relationship, or maybe the gap with your kids, or the gap with your siblings, or maybe even the gap you have with God. And when you come back and you show gratitude for the blessings that you received, it can help close those gaps. Here's what I know, gratitude has incredible relational healing power. And for some of you with broken relationships, an act of gratitude can help break down those walls and help build bridges. And a third key is he praised in a loud voice. His gratitude was obvious. Gratitude is always visible and never silent. When I was a sophomore in college, I took a trip to Guatemala. It's the first out of the country experience that I'd had, it was a missions trip. At that time um, in my life, I was a very selfish individual, even I would say borderline narcissistic, all about myself, and I, I was concerned about my first world problems, and I went to the country of Guatemala, and I saw these people who had nothing. They would walk for miles, many of them, and they would come into these church buildings that many of the church buildings uh, would just have dirt floors, and they were the most grateful, joyous person, people that I've ever been around. And it just rocked my world. And what they did, besides just being grateful for all that God had given them, which was not a lot in comparison to what I had, they also were super generous. And they would give us like the best of the best that they had. And it just, it did something in my heart and changed the perspective. And here's what I know is that gratitude changes your attitude. And I would say it also changes those that you interact with. And here's what I know in Guatemala, it helped change my attitude and my perspective. You know, my marriage works best when I show gratitude for all that Candace does for me instead of obsessing about the few things she doesn't. And it's contagious. Do you think Candace is more joyful when, I, and when I'm living with gratitude or obsessing about what she's not doing? Do you think I'm happier when I'm living with gratitude or obsessing about things that aren't happening? How many people have you heard give this great adoration at a funeral, but they say, I wish I would have told him or her while they're living? Why do we wait to express gratitude until it's too late? You know, gratitude isn't just for the good things that happen in our life. You know, Pastor CJ, if you were here earlier in this Bumping Into Jesus series, he was talking about Jesus is about making wine. He was talking about oftentimes there are crushing experiences in life uh, that can change our perspective. And maybe God's used a business crash in your life to help you learn the value of money or a sickness to be able to help you be empathetic or maybe even a divorce to change your perspective on life or how you live life. Now I'm saying God didn't cause those things, but God can use those things to help us look through a lens of gratitude. Until just recently, a few years ago, I didn't wear glasses. My eyes, I didn't have to wear glasses and I got to a certain age where I couldn't read anymore. Some of you have been there. And I had to get these things called readers. And um, 
When I was a kid, my dad wore glasses, but I didn't, and I'd sometimes look through the lenses of people who had glasses, and they were real blurry, I couldn't see. But now that I'm a certain age, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you go to the dollar store, just like I do, and buy a one or two or three, or whatever the number is, and uh, so you can read. Those of you who don't know what we're talking about will be there one day. Um, but you go and, and you go and I, I get the, you know, I look and I find the right lens that works for me and that I can see through. And it helps me see clearly. And whether you wear glasses or you don't wear glasses, here's what we all get to do. We each choose a lens daily. And you can choose to look at life through the lens of gratitude or the lens of cynicism. But you get to choose the lens. And all of us have that choice. And we look at the Samaritan, and the Samaritan, he saw, he came back. He praised in a loud voice. And the Samaritan, he didn't just stay at the starting line of thankfulness. He moved forward to the finish line with an action step of gratitude. And I believe that today you can take an action step of gratitude that could change your life. Maybe it could change a relationship. Maybe even as I talk about that and we've been talking about gratitude today, there's a name that pops into your head. Someone that maybe you need to take a step forward and not just stay at the starting line. What is one intentional act of gratitude that you can take? Who do you need to text? Maybe call, maybe set up a meeting with, maybe even give a gift to. Kids, do you need to take a step of gratitude toward your parents? Maybe parents toward your kids? Wives toward your husbands? Husbands toward your wives, grandkids toward your grandparents. Maybe for some of you it's a step of gratitude towards your boss or a colleague or maybe it's a broken relationship that you need to move forward to, to help build some bridges with an act of gratitude. Maybe it's a mentor in your life. You know, this last week, I had a friend who, a leader who had served on a team with me, a national team with me quite a few years ago, and he took some time to, to write me a note and just thank me for the investment in his life. And it was super encouraging, made a huge difference in my life. And for me, it spurred me on because I want to write, in the next 48 hours, I'll write a note to a mentor who years ago made a huge difference in my life. What action step do you need to take in the next 48 hours to help you move from the starting line of gratitude to the finish line? And here's what I know. I know sometimes when we have conversations like this, if we don't put something into practice, I know this is this for me, if I don't put something into practice soon, usually I don't. So I'm asking you, what step of gratitude do you need to take in the next 48 hours? Here's what I know. There's power in gratitude. And how do we become a people 
of gratitude, not just on Thanksgiving week, but daily, that we're daily putting on the lens of gratitude. And here's what I wanna leave you with. Showing gratitude is easier than we think. And it's more powerful than we can imagine. What gratitude does is revolutionary, not just in our hearts, but in who we give gratitude to.